if it's the tough job, say yes to it. You know, if you're doing the job that no one else wants to do, then you're going to be highlighted. You know, that's one thing that I always, you know, really kind of tell people is like, say yes to it, figure it out. Um, be thoughtful when, when making those decisions with, with you know, every opportunity or, or you know, uh, challenge that you're presented with, but, but say yes to it, you know. The Highly Capable Podcast by Galtway Industries is the premier podcast for first-hand accounts of the manufacturing and supply chain spaces told by highly capable, accomplished, and proficient people. Exploring all types of personalities and industries, our goal is to highlight the people who have risen to the top of their space and try to identify what sets them apart. If you have any questions, nominations, or suggestions, please reach out to us on the Highly Capable Podcast page on LinkedIn or at podcast at galtwayindustries.com. We're back with another episode of the Highly Capable Podcast. I'm here with my friend and esteemed co-host, Keith Chemetsky. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. We're back in the Upright Digital Studio. It has been a minute, as the kids say. It has been. You know, it's hard with the travel schedules. I think you and I kind of circumvent the globe every couple of years. Have you been anywhere interesting lately? No, the, uh, you know, the bulk of our business has really been in the lower 48. So it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of trips out to uh, Midland. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, early part of the year was Thrive as well. It's, you know, that took a great trip. Sig- oh, it was amazing Shout out show. to John Daniel and the Upright Digital people. Holy here. cow. Upright and JD do a great job of that thing. I, it was fantastic again this year. But no, it's been, uh, it, it's been a crazy year. It's been fast, right? And now here we are dealing with, uh, you know, everything that's going on in the market, not only commodities, but, you know, the financial markets are a little bit in disarray. And it's been a wild ride so far, and we're not even through Q1 yet. I feel like, you know, unless the Dow loses 5%, my blood pressure doesn't even change. You know, I'm so used to these catastrophic events at this point that... Remember when it moved like 100, 150 points a day, and people were like, yeah. oh man, the world's coming to an end. Now it mm-hmm. moves 100, 150 points I mean, a day, and nobody cares. I got out yeah. of bed less than 500. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. I mean, the, we've almost become numb to it. And on a percentage basis, I get it, but it's the, uh, the volatility in the markets is pretty wild, and... And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about supply chain, but certainly you know, for, our, uh, for our Houston audience, what's going on in, you know, in natural gas and oil prices has been pretty wild over the last couple of weeks as well. And so we'll see where it goes, right? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of uncertainty in the world. I think once that gets shored up, I'm, you know, being the consummate optimist, I'm always optimistic that we're, we're headed to a better spot. So well, we'll I am, see. I, I'm, I'm got about six cups worth of espresso course in three of me. I'm coming off of a week <laughs> in Vegas, which is entirely too long. But oh my goodness. I was there for a, a Con Ag, Con Expo, which is, I think it's the number one, if not number two trade show as far as size in North America. Goodness. It was 1,800 exhibitors. So I got 1,800 exhibitors, exhibitors, not people. Exhibitors. People oh. is 150,000 or something like Holy that. Holy smokes. It's every three years. Last time I was there, the world was ending. It was that same week, you know, NBA was shutting down. Oh, 2020. Yeah, I mean, the world, the sky was falling. So it was cool to kind of be, I mean, obviously the world's been back to, quote, normal right. with, you know, banking crisis and everything. But <laughs> yeah, let's put that to the But it was cool to see, you know, these mega pieces of equipment. And actually, a few weeks before last week, we were down um, at a facility in Mexico okay. where this company makes big green tractors. Um, sure. And you know, the big farm tractors. And so, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a supply chain geek, but the volume that these guys do, and again, there's other companies their size that make big right. pieces of equipment in every industry. But fun fact that I brought out of that, they make one of those big farm tractors every 5.7 minutes. 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 And they got it down to, you know, fractions of a minute, right? Holy so it's, cow. it's every 46 seconds or something like that, right? 
And so the whole time, you know, I'm hearing this is, you know, you've got 1200 actual individual part numbers on this right. thing. And, you know, if, if every one of those, you don't, you're not, you know, dual sourced. And so, you know, again, I geek out when that yeah, kind the of stuff complexity happens, of but, it, right? Right. 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 But, you know, that was fascinating. So it's, it's been a, a fun beginning of this year. Right. So. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm excited for where it's going to go. Uh, you know, again, we're in a r really kind of awkward spot with the Fed raising rates and banking crisis with what have you. But we're early on in the year yet, right? I mean, we're, we're still in the, you know, we're still in the first, second, third inning yeah. of the year. I'm still pretty, uh, just the broader economy is, feels like we've got a pretty resilient economy here, at least in the U.S., uh, and hopefully, you know, we just don't take a lot of people with us, you know, down and we bounce up in the back half of this year is pretty strong. So I'm excited about where it's going to go. I'm bullish on this continent. It's my favorite one. So of course. I think we'll be go. okay. Right, right. So um, our guest today, I've known him for a number of years. We've kind of been bouncing out into each other over the, you know, in the industry. I think you know him a little better, yeah, but I don't know. I think he's got a good story. Thank you for coming and letting us twist your arm to do this. This is Andrew yeah. Little. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Welcome yeah. aboard. This isn't bad, right? No, not bad at all. Yeah. yeah. Have you done I'm, a podcast? This before? is my first one, actually. Right. Maiden yeah. Voyage. Several interviews and you know other things like that. Always you know kind of on on paper though, but never uh, never in the studio. I think I, a very nice studio. I, I generally promise you generally that it'll be painless it could be a little painful and we'll come back and edit those parts out if we have to <laughs> well if not i see some tequila bottles over here right that eases a lot of pain right <laughs> right yeah andrew's like oil field royalty right i mean multi-generational in the in the business so i feel like i'm in the presence uh more i don't know about royalty yeah. i don't know i don't know about royalty maybe like a, a knight or a, you know like a duke or something definitely go. not prince or anything like that i'm a jester so yeah, exactly. you're right. <laughs> i'm over here juggling that's awesome well so you know the way that we do this is you know this is obviously the highly capable podcast and, and again i've known you for a little bit to know that you're definitely one of the highly capable people people want to know how you got to this chair you can start wherever mm -hmm. is interesting we want to hear your personal story yeah where you're at now let's hear some some juicy stories you know of, of vendors gone bad or whatever you come up <laughs> with oh gosh lost those <laughs> but uh yeah i mean how, how did you get here where'd you where were you born where'd you go to school yeah so i, I grew up in uh, uh initially a small town in south texas called uh, from pleasanton texas actually it's about an hour hour 20 minutes south of san antonio and um my mother was a, a flight attendant for american airlines based out of dallas and my dad was uh, in the wool service industry. So he, he had a company called Dawson Production Services that he ran. And their uh, office was there down in Pleasanton. And, and I don't know if any of you guys know Pleasanton, but it's kind of a town that lives and died by the oil field. And, and when the oil field's dead, it's, you know, supported by peanut farmers and cattle ranchers. Right. And uh, um, so we, we were down there. Uh, dad was in the wool service business and, and kind of running all around uh, different places like Tilden and, and, you know, um, you know, down to Alice and different yards here and there. And I kind of, you know, got my early start there. My playground was well service rig. Right. And so, uh, had a lot of fun doing that. And then the company grew up a little bit, got bigger and bigger. And, and as, um, kind of well service business was expanding, uh, they needed to get into a little bit bigger, you know, bigger offices and kind of highlight themselves a little bit more. So we moved to San Antonio, moved the corporate headquarters, of Dawson to San Antonio. So that's when we moved to San Antonio and, and spent uh, middle school through high school in San Antonio. So um, we were a Texas Tech family, you know, but uh, dad was Texas Tech, mom was Texas Tech. Ah. 
And so, so you, you weren't really sure where you were going. Yeah, I, I knew where I was maybe going. UT. I visited. <laughs> yeah, point of right to burn orange. <laughs> I visited two other schools that I just, just had no show. interest in doing yeah. it, and you know, went up to Three TCU, kind of went to SMU, <laughs> and just no, I don't have any interest in this, and and did not have the grades really for <laughs> UT. Um, Join the club. Yeah, growing up, growing up, Texas Tech fan. It's like you, there's you have no interest in going to A and M, right? Uh, I think it's a great school, but uh, my heart was set for Lubbock. Um, so I, we had family in West Texas. My, my grandmother was from, you know, a little small town called, Ab uh, Hamlin outside of Abilene. Okay. And, uh, my mother grew up in, in Midland. So West Texas comes easy to us. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, went out there and, and had a, a really good time studying finance. the grades there? I'm sure they were a lot better. Uh, actually better <laughs> than you thought. Yeah. Better than you think. Um, you know, not a four point, but yep. close up right. there, you know, um, I, I initially thought I wanted to do engineering. When really I started out yeah. okay and i took a chemistry class my freshman year and said now this ain't gonna work it's so funny <laughs> so i was just listening to the to brian's episode uh in the vehicle this morning and that i remembered he, so that's what he did he was trying to find out what he wanted to do in life and he's like i want to get a lot of bang for my buck with my degree and so he went and tried chemistry and yeah that was when i realized i wasn't going to be an engineer it was <laughs> was uh, organic chemistry that would knock me down too so yeah that's funny. you're in good company here right. yeah it was it was interesting because you know at the time my dad was uh he he had actually studied petroleum engineering at texas tech and you know i was like you know i, I don't know if i want to troll him or whatnot and and i took that chemistry class and i was like man dad this is tough stuff and he said you know i really only used my petroleum engineering degree for about five years. The rest of it was, you know, understanding cash flow in a business and right. how to value a company and how to properly manage cash flow in a business. And and so he said, you got to take a look at finance degree. Perfect. And so that's what I did. And oh, by the way, you don't need any more chemistry. So boom, check that yeah, box. Don't need any more <laughs> One last thing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No chemistry. It's just accounting and, and, uh, and, and financial theory. Really. Nice. So um studied that and but yeah i had a great time in, in west texas made a, a ton of friends that are all in the oil field right you know half of them were studying for land management degrees and probably all of them are way wealthier than they were when they left college <laughs> now um a lot of uh, a lot of connections over there you know they kind of all entered that land market um in the boom in 2007 six right. time period where you know a nice there was run right there yep Capital. a lot of money eagle ford was blowing up right um, you know, you know, and so there was just a ton of money being exchanged all over f for yep. uh, swapping out and guys made a lot of money and, and, uh, I missed that boat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're like, man, I got to keep on working somehow. Yeah, I got to figure this out to, to work. <laughs> yeah. So, um, after, after, um, after tech, I went and I tried Wall Street, and I went to an investment so, bank. So you weren't you weren't destined for the oil field coming right out. You said, not you yet. Say, you know what? You know, down in you were talking about Pleasanton and Tilden. I mean, all places that in the you know, that you grew up in. Yeah. But it wasn't until you know they kind of went dead for a while, and then Eagleford exploded. Yeah. So then it's back on the map. You're out in West Texas, back on the map. So it wasn't. I'm going ahead first. Well, let's into, go back to that yep. because, um, you know, it's 84, right. born, right? And cool. it is a bust in the oil field. And we're in tiny little town, Pleasanton, Texas, right? Just south of San Antonio. And you see rig count drop dramatically. Well service is like almost non-existent, right? I think the only people doing business was plug and abandonment. Right. You know, so um, I had kind of seen the ups and downs of the business, right? You know, one week you're eating steak and a month later you're eating bologna. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, exactly. Um, I, and, you know, I'd saw, I'd you know, I kind of watched, uh, you know, dad grow these companies and, and, and really kind of 
worked its tail off. And of course, you know, mothers and, a you know, being a flight attendant flying all over the world, her mainly it was, you know, us, right, right. Back and forth, Chicago, Dallas and all that. But, um, I saw how much they've worked and, and I said, man, I kind of want something a little more stable. You know, something that I, I don't have to be traveling all the time for. It's a Wall Street. And so I was stable. like, oh, well, you know, I, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> with today's concepts, I was like, right? I, can do, I can do investment banking, right? So coming out of college, I had, uh, you know, two opportunities. One was with um, MG Bank here. Yep. And they had just opened a satellite office in San Antonio. Uh, but I came here, interviewed with, with them here in Houston. And they're like, hey, you we, we've got, everyone wants to live here in Houston. No, we can't get anyone to go to San Antonio. I'm like, oh, yeah, I would do that. So Perfect. Got an offer right away. And the other one was uh, an investment banking analyst position with Jefferies. It, it actually wasn't even full-time when I started out. It was an internship. Interesting. Yeah. So did a summer internship for there. I was a very, very average analyst. Very, very average. <laughs> Those guys are sharp. Um, right. Some of the smartest, you know, numbers, financial engineering kind of guys in, in the business, right? And so uh, – worked there for the summer and they were like hey we really like your work ethic why don't you stick around um and you know come on full time with us well well maybe an average analyst highly capable yeah so uh, yeah. saw something in you let's go highly capable you, you work hard but you know in, in in reality when you're an analyst for these investment banks all you're doing is you're just making sure these pitch books don't say anything stupid them, <laughs> right they don't have commas in the wrong place right. something's not misspelled and and that the numbers add up, right? And usually you got multiple levels of people checking it. So um, it's just like how many hours you can put into it. Right. And mind you, this is 2007, right? So what happens in 2008? Yep. Yeah. The financial yeah, world crisis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, you were looking for something stable. I was looking for something <laughs> right. stable. Like I think, oh man, you can do banking forever, right? Yeah. And then and at the time, it, it was uh, it was an oil service uh, group of, of Jefferies. And so I'm, I'm looking at, you know, we're, we're looking at pitches and comparing companies, you know, for other companies to buy, or we're looking to kind of, you know, com company comparables for others that you're pitching, uh, whether it be a debt offering or something like that. And so I kept looking at, you know, NOV and Halliburton's and Slumber's Ace, and right. these guys are just booking massive orders left and right, and they've got backlog and backlog being built up right and i was like well here's a stable area i can get into <laughs> i like backlog back into the back into the oil field yeah so um you know it kind of you know financial collapse happens the collapse happens and um a lot of the first year analysts get let go right and i was unfortunately one of them and you know it was kind of all right do i go back to san antonio i can go get work doing land or do i want to stick around this in houston and and try to find something here and my my wife, um, girlfriend at the time, we had, you know, started dating when we were sophomores and have been together ever since. Um, she was in Houston and she was working on her career. She didn't have much going on uh, in San Antonio for her. And, and we were definitely did not have enough money in the bank to get our own place and, you know, kind of figure that out for her to start a new career in San Antonio. So I was like, you know, I'm going to stick around Houston. So I went and, and interviewed with NOV. Um, and, you know, they looking, looking at my resume, they, they had my initial interview as the vice president of finance. I forget who, what her name was really nice lady, but, um, met with her and I kind of just kind of shot it down a little bit. Initially it was like, look, I'm sorry. I don't want to, uh, waste your time, but I was hoping to get something in operations. You know, I've kind of had the finance aspect right. of it for the year, but you know, really what I want to do with this is understand I've got the understanding of how cash flow works within a business. So I want to go learn about operations and learn about rigs and things like that. So can you send me out to a rig up yard? 
and that's what they did. And they put me in in uh, Galena Park as really? a roughneck. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, so my first job was uh, in the hydraulics commissioning crew. Okay, you know, turning a yep. wrench and hooking you, up hoses. They, they really sent you down to yep. learn it. Yeah, I asked for the bottom of the barrel. So I wanted to, you know, if I'm going to be working for NOV for a while, it's a great company, and I wanted to learn every aspect of the equipment that I was going to be in and involved around, yep. right? Yeah, Instead of just kind of, um, you know reading it on on paper and yeah. understanding the, the what it gives you good manufacturing it. perspective right as you get into yeah. leadership and as you in, and I'm, we'll get to your your sales roles but as you understand the challenges you know that that the guys are having the, the folks are having in the manufacturing side and the in the uh, assembly side now when you're out selling it talking to your customers you actually know what you're talking about you know you know the challenges of pressures where they where there are uh, risks and and opportunities as well. Yeah, I'm not saying I know everything about a rig, but it really helps when I can sit there and say, yeah, I've commissioned top drives before, I've worked on control systems and and putting pieces of that together, it helps. And and your customer kind of tends to appreciate that more. Um, But yes, we worked out there and, you know, did various various roles and throughout the, you know, various commissioning groups and, um, you know, hydraulics to electrical and mechanical and then, did a, did that for a little over a year, rotating around. Great contrast too, right? So you go from an investment bank analyst yeah. role, you know, in a in an air conditioned office downtown Houston to swinging for those, around to yeah, still toes. Yeah, and, exactly. And well, a hard for those hat. that are listening that don't know, right? Galena Park, where they're doing rig up, is an outdoor area. You know, on uh, you know, uh, non uh, non concrete foundation kind of caliche style yep. foundation. I mean, hot. Houston yeah. summers and your yeah. uh, coveralls. I bet that I bet you learned a lot about yourself in that transition. Yeah, it was interesting because I, I just I, I said, look, I can do some manual labor, but also I've been sitting in a in a desk for the year for the last year, working 80, 90 hours a week and getting a little pudgy. I was like, man, swing a hammer. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest, I need yeah. to go to the rig up yard <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I could use it for sure. But um, yeah, it's it was definitely a big a big shift. You know, working with. Um, some really wonderful guys, but you know, um, some of them are missing teeth. You know, yeah. guys named Pork Chop and Peanut and yeah. things like that. Definitely a big contrast from what I've yeah, previously right. been doing. Those are early expiration date gigs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Those, yeah, right. yeah. So you move on from Galena Park. Where'd you go from there? Well, so I shifted around. I stayed at Galena Park for for actually a, full, a little over three years. So oh, wow. I went into project management. I did a little purchasing first, okay. and then they put me in project management. But we had, I mean, we were cycling at any given time. We had sixteen rigs standing in the yard. Man, one come down, another one come up. Right. I mean, it was just a boom. I mean, Keith, you remember those? Oh, yeah. Two thousand eight yep. through that two thousand twelve kind of time as frame. Fast just as build, you can build, build them. Build. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I worked on it and did project management over it. And a lot of it was, um, uh, a lot of it was Patterson's new builds that right. were going through. Um, and there was, you know, others that, that had done, but we, we had three different versions of rigs where we were working on. Um, and so kind of working through, you know, uh, I guess the kind of start to finish of the purchase of the equipment, the manufacturing, getting it over from, you know, wherever, wherever it came from, right? Right. At the time, I think nine, you know, ninety-five percent of the of the equipment on the rig NOV built itself, right? right. So you had to manage that, um, you know, from just yourself, right? Managing the timeline of it, make sure your purchase orders are made timely, and and you know, I, I remember one time we had, oh gosh, I don't know if you remember this, Keith, but we had uh, 
Landro, China was where a lot of the structures were built. Yep. And it's yeah, it was a huge facility, a big a big city up in the mountains, right, of kind of central China. And access into it is this, you know, this big highway kind of along mm -hmm. a, a big mountainside. Mountain ridge. And, and just for the ignorant like myself, they're building the masts and things. There. They're so building the masts, the, the substructure, big fabrications, yep. heavy fabrication. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In the mountains. And it, and it up was in a, the mountains. And it was an NOV, National at the time, National Varco um, uh, joint TV. venture that they had over okay. there. Right. Yeah. And I remember one time it, it, uh, they had a heavy, heavy rains one, one year or, I forget what year it was, but heavy, heavy rains and a complete mudslide had taken out the highway. Jeez. And so it's complete force majeure yep. on, on everyone's end. Right. So I remember having to write up a note to, uh, y'all COO, <laughs> Mike Holcomb yep. saying, describing what had happened, showing pictures and stuff so that you guys yep. could present that to your clients. Yeah. And, um, but you know, one little thing like that and it just stops the whole process well and, and we'll get into more of the supply chain and manufacturing side of things but it is interesting right i mean when you're going through those build cycles you know, how it, it because everybody wants it at the same time yeah. so yeah. it's how do you try to manage all of the different pressures whether it's steel availability labor um you know, electrical components and then, oh, by the way, now you have to deal with a landslide on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Logistics. which stops the train. Oh, yeah. How many dozens of trains now do you have to go? That gets stacked stop. up, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it's a, yeah, that's an incredibly challenging type of a job. I bet you learned a lot about yourself and your ability to be capable. I yeah, mean, yeah. What I learned about project management is you have a lot of responsibility with very little authority. <laughs> I mean, you, you have got to make sure that a bunch of people that don't work for you are doing their job in a timely manner. Right. Yeah. Right. And so you have to provide a lot of metrics, you know, these those Microsoft charts that, that kind of show if this is late by one day, the whole process shifts over by this many days. Right. And, and you got to make sure that you have constant communication with, within the operations and supply chain groups. So. Um, that was that was uh, a very very great learning uh, time frame for me. If there was one or two things that you would take from that and say, I wish I knew this then, what would that have been? Oh gosh, um, stumped him. Stumped him. That was a mudslide of a question. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gosh, well, I learned. Think about um, it. Hold yeah, on to I'll that. I'll think on that one because I there especially earlier in your career, you're like, you don't know what you don't know. But I mean, you've learned and seen so much now. Yeah, uh, I have to imagine there's some things that in part of it is probably reflecting on it. But I imagine there's some things now that if you had you known them, then it would have completely changed the way that you would have either one executed things or, or maybe it wouldn't have changed it, but it would have made you more informed and maybe easier to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, the big, I mean, the, the one thing for me is maintaining communication with engineering, right? So a lot of that is shifting in, in customer requirements, customer demands, just, you know, to, to modify certain aspects of, of, you know, products that you're building right. and, and how that shifts down to, <clears throat> you know, from engineering to manufacturing and then shifting that back over into the uh, delivery on it. So maintaining communication with your engineering yep. is crucial. I think that's probably, I actually was going to suggest almost the same thing, which is, yeah. When you're when you're customer facing early on in your career, you know what you hate to do? Deliver bad news. Yes. Yeah. The downside is bad news does not get better with time. Right. So I mean, that that I always found that early in my career was, oh my God, I really don't want to have this conversation. Now I'm like, let's go ahead and rip the band aid off. Let's yeah. have the dialogue now because sooner is always better than later. When you ask that question, I mean I was sitting here thinking and it's everything is not <clears throat> a complete catastrophe, right? No. There, there's a path out of everything. 
It's going to be ugly. You're going to get bruised up. Yep. But, you know, we've yep. all done it. Yep. Once you do it enough times, it still sucks. Oh, it's not fun. I, mean, I hate picking up the phone when something like that happens. But you know that they're, you know, the, the sun will rise again. Yep. So. Yeah, just make sure you have something prepared that, that, that will help resolve a it solution. or a solution yeah. for yeah. it. Don't, yeah. just, don't just throw you it You don't want to say, say, hey, this is, this is done. We don't know. <laughs> this is all messed up. We don't yeah. know what to do. Um, you got to make sure yeah. that you have yeah. some sort of a solution yeah. for it. So that, that's always, that always helps kind of go over well. With right. It, but um yeah and and then just you know keeping the client happy keeping them in the know that's right. a big part of it I right agree. when you're especially when you're doing project management you're sending constant updates on on you know moving time frames and, and deliverables for, to your clients to make sure that that they're prepared to receive everything that's right. right because that that they're waiting you know their client is waiting on their for their product right and so having any type of disruptions it's it's a full-on you know, chain movement that, that can Agreed. screw things over. So cool. Yeah. But now it was a, it was yeah. an interesting time frame working Glen Park, wonderful people. And, um, but I, I kind of had a, an anchoring to do something else, you know, I've been out there for three years and I said, you know, I kind of want to get into business development. I know the product now and how would I do that? So That's I went good. and talked with our, uh, I went and talked with our vice president of, of manufacturing, the guy at the time, Jeff Lambert, who was over at Glen Park facility. And he had kind of run sales in the well service division as well. And I said, is there anyone you can kind of connect me with? And, and he said, let me make a few phone calls. And you've been out here for a while and you're doing great. Yep. Love to keep you. But, you know, I think it is time for you've a natural progression. Yeah. <laughs> the prison sentence is over. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to commute. Go on the yeah. We're going to yeah. commute the sentence. Yeah. Just kidding. And so they had, I mean, the sales team was, you know, when, when you're working in, in operations and the sales team is – you know, entertaining clients and going out, playing golf, doing all those sales things. guys the worst. You're like, golly, <laughs> I want that. You know, I want that job. Um, lo and behold, I've come to not necessarily like it all the time. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we find yourself in Vegas for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the, yeah. the episode I was listening to, we talked about those lonely hotel rooms oh, in the middle of nowhere yep. too. So yeah, right. a lot of that. But um, you know, uh, Bobby uh, Bryan at the yep. time. You know, we were mutual Bobby. friend of ours. Yeah. Yep. He had uh, was running the, the land sales group. I think he actually had offshore under him. And they were looking for um, someone to come in and, and kind of a junior salesperson to come in and, and focus on one account, right? What they called it was an OSSD. Yep. And um, so I interviewed that role and they brought me in. It was Tom Hand and Bobby Bryan. What's an OSSD? Yeah, I was going to say OSSD, On Site Solutions Director. Yep. So describe that it's job a, a little bit. Yeah. It's a lot like project management. <laughs> <laughs> You're responsible for everything, but you have no authority. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot like being married. Yeah. yeah. So you're That's sitting you're sitting in your client's office um, and you are navigating solutions across the entire company of, you know, products and sales and whatnot mm -hmm. that you're that you've got going on with the client. So anything bad happens, you're hearing about it first, right? And you're in their office. So they're not getting going back to their office to send an email. Yep. They're coming in, storming in, saying, where is this? Why is this lake doing <laughs> where it's going on? So uh, I did that, and I was, it was with uh, precision drilling Okay, I started out with. Yeah, so their, their rig up yard. So we went from sales, one rig up yard, temporary sales office at NOV to another rig up yard. <laughs> so I'm back <laughs> in a rig up yard. Here we go. I thought, thought I was getting a promotion. What yeah. happened here? <laughs> No, so office at Precision there for... What year was uh, this, roughly, roughly? God, this would be 2011, mm. 2012. Okay, all um, right. Yeah. Good so. deal. I mean, still booming at the time. Still booming. I mean, so you We're guys are... going crazy. So now, again, from a 
from a manufacturing and delivery to customer perspective, you're still knee deep in the thick of it. And now actually, instead of being a project manager far away from the customer, you're in their office yeah. getting chewed out when things don't happen correctly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they've I got, I mean, that was the cool thing about it because now I'm actually getting to do quotes. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about equipment. We're talking about long-time deliveries and you know, seeing the, the price and the size of these orders was, was awesome. Amazing. Right, I mean, we're talking, I mean, it goes for all drilling contractors. When you're building 30, 40 rigs, I mean, that's... Capital is required that? is significant. Half a billion dollars? Yeah, it's, yeah. The ca- it's massive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had, I, m- I remember getting one order from a client that had, it was for 80, t- uh, 80 top drives. So um, well, roughly, roughly well 100. Well north of 100, yeah, 100 million plus dollars. million dollars. Yeah. And I mean... It, and, I mean it sounds so easy, right? It's 80 top drives. And a top drive, for those listening that don't know, or you know, it's a piece of mechanical equipment that's roughly, roughly 10 feet tall, roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Spin, spins yeah. the drill. Yeah, it's, yeah, turn, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a screwdriver that's you know, turning mm-hmm. the drill pipe into the earth. But it sounds simple. Just build 80 of them. Yeah. But you've got multiple contractors, all because we all want it again at the same time. Yeah. And then now it becomes all the supply chain constraints and the, the assembly and the manufacturing and the testing ability to be able to get that stuff pushed through. Is it, becomes an amazing challenge That's, and, and like yeah but you, you have high repetition high volume that makes it easier to manufacture no because you have sub suppliers that can only make x amount another sorry i'm about to jump in because this is a fun fact yep. do it i learned this there's another company up there that makes yellow trucks and they said that you know 15 years ago their supply base could ramp up 10 percent per year so if they yep. saw a big boom coming they knew that anything over 10 percent that they sold they'd be in the weeds a little bit but for all these booms and busts that have gone down, suppliers are not willing to invest in these massive ramp ups. So now they're at about three percent. So anything over that, you know, if they if they do twelve percent more this year, it's going to take them four years to recover. Right. Yeah. Not to mention what happens every year after that. So well, in the high repetition, high volume, I think the oil field would easily be because our people, our people, our suppliers are highly, highly capable. At, when we ask them to do something, mm-hmm. and we give them objectives, this is what we need to do. It's amazing what what the what the manufacturing and supply chain components within the oil field can do make mm-hmm. the world go around uh, agreed but the challenge is we don't ask them to be consistent you right. know it's the i need 80 one year and then the next th- for three years from here on out i need Nothing. zero yeah and, and i mean that's clearly hyperbole but at the same time th- those are the the constraints that we put on our our um, supply base it, that's why they can only do three percent exactly and, and it's not yeah. it's not unfortunately it's just the reality yeah. and so we create some of these challenges because you know the 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 boom bust the start stop and then now all of a sudden uh, now all of a sudden you got Andrew in uh, Precision's office because you know these top drivers are all going to be late because one component right, you know, yeah. went went a little bit sideways right well I mean, I mean the boom bust aspect of it is is where we kind of see each other today right, right now and and we're a little bit more hesitant to obviously there is no building on speculation anymore yeah. right that's not going to happen but right. back then we kind of did right. And, you know, when you have a bust, it's like, okay, now we're kind of back away. What's it going to take to either slow this down or make some cancellation? And from, from a vendor perspective, you've got a lot of committed capital already in there. That's right. Right. From your steel to your, to your employees that you have to hire to make, keep up with that. So, um, you know, it, it makes it, you know, very difficult to kind of float that cash flow. Um, when, when that ramp up, that bust. makes that ramp up that much harder, which I'm sure yeah. the folks in yellow are saying mm-hmm. that that fungible, if you will, growth is gone because they're unwilling to do it on spec. Mm-hmm. Right. You lose people too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's hard on people, right? I mean, nobody loves to hire and then fire, you know, overnight. And unfortunately, 
you know, these boom busts drive us into it. So I think not everybody likes yeah. baloney. No, I mean, that was that was one of the hardest parts of my, in my early career when I got put into sales management. So I only did the OSSD role for about a year. No, oh, okay. And I guess I kind of shown that I was highly capable. Right <laughs> there, you go. Um, so I was put into a management role over uh, the regional sales group. So you know, and these these were guys that have been doing this for. 20, 30 years, right? right? I had people that were, you know, more than twice my age working for me now. And we, you know, we had some really good years as well. And then kind of another downturn occurs and you've got to let go of someone that has kids in college. And right. that's just a difficult thing for me to do. And I was 27, 28 years old. When right. Was happening. Yep. You know. It's gut-wrenching. Yeah. Nobody, nobody enjoys that part of the no. job. I mean, no. and especially it's not as if these people had done anything quote unquote wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just where we are in the cycle. And, and unfortunately that, that action, that activity, that action has to be taken. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you have a whole nother series of problems, but, um, you know, it, it, the people side of the supply chain, whether it's building, you know, building substructures and masks or gears or electronics, once you drop those people, that people get jaded and so they're slow to come back if they come back at all mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so I, I think i drove us into a ditch there let me <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so okay you're, you're you're back on so you got a big order for top yeah. drives yeah. like where does this where move, do you go so that? move into sales management so moving yeah. into sales management so we you know the way kind of the sales team was structured is you kind of had a, a director over you know the large capital uh or the large cap you know, drilling contractors, and then you had more of a regional groups, right? You're kind of your mid cap, your privates. And so that was what I was pulled over. So I had a team of like six or seven guys kind of spread out through the U.S., right? People in the Rockies, Midcon, West Texas, I mean, and got a couple in Houston kind of c- covering, you know, um, a group of, of uh, drilling contractors that probably make up m- maybe half of the U.S. rig count, right? And so we're Go, still in build cycles, right? And selling capital equipment and, and uh, upgrades to rigs and so forth. And, um, you know, doing that from at a, at a young age was, was, like I said, it was difficult. Kind of you're managing up, you know, or trying right. to manage up to people that have been doing this for a long time. And then you're also kind of like, you know, you're dealing with people that are like, hey, is this Pete Miller's son or his yeah. nephew? <laughs> who, who is Pete Miller guy? being the CEO at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pete Miller being right. the CEO. Um, so, you know, d- did that for a little bit. Um, Real quick, if we can yeah. take a quick d- ditch detour. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, kind of a meteoric rise, right? I mean, going from working in the, in the yard to a customer's location to now you're managing a pretty significant team uh, yeah. within within the organization. How did you have to evolve professionally to be able to do that successfully? Well, what, what, ha- were the, what were the couple of things? That- I had to grow up. I had to right. get professional, right? I had to understand that, you How'd know, you do that? I'm asking for a friend. Maybe ask him. <laughs> <laughs> um, right here. <laughs> well, I, knew, I had to listen a lot more to okay. your client. I had to sit there and not try to speak out and blurt, blurt out what, you know, a solution or, you know, try to be more adaptable um, yeah, and listen to, to uh, when the adults are talking in the room, right? And so uh, the, the biggest thing that, that was, you know, is listening to my peers, listening to my bosses, trying to learn from them. You know, the best thing you ever could do is get a mentor, right? Right. You have to make sure that you're learning from people. And when you're young, you, you know, you kind of fire off, right? You say things that you shouldn't um or you know you, you don't have the best management skills so right. getting a mentor was was key for me um so i i worked a lot with uh, a good friend of mine randy skates okay yeah he's 
kind of been my Randy? Oldfield. Yeah, yeah. Sounds Randy. He's been my, my Oldfield mentor and a, and, a, and a really good friend. So he was uh, one that kind of guided me in, in helping me manage and, and kind of understand what it, what it was to, uh, you know, be in that position at a young age. But um, bigger thing was, you know, going back to really kind of valuing a deal that you're working on, right? And then understanding, you know, um, you know, working on, you, you've got all these customers that are ordering 80 top jars at a time, right? And you're sitting there, you know, and they're asking for discounts or they're, you're negotiating for this. And so you kind of have to get creative to want to keep them coming back and, right. and so forth. So you have to kind of put together, you know, different ways to of, of keeping a strategic partnership going on there. And right. instead of just like, oh, all right, well, how about 10% discount? Well, no, because the next guy's going to do a 10% That's discount, right. right? So you kind of want to do something. Be a little more that. creative. Yeah, the deal so you come up with, you know, you know, rebate agreements yeah. and, and so forth like that that kind of keep your client there and keep cool. them happy and, and using that towards, you know, for future purposes of this equipment. Right. And so that was some of the things that we developed. Yeah. And the reason why I ask the question is I think we've got, we have a pretty large listener base that I think are highly capable and they're trying to figure out what is it that they need to learn? What is it that they yeah. can do to evolve their career? I mean, certainly you're a role model for um, what highly capable and oh, great career management looks model. like. I would, <laughs> I would argue for it. Um, but, you know, helping people understand, you know, the, that opportunity to reach out and find a mentor. There's lots of yeah. people that love to be mentors. You know, how to, you know, how to work on their negotiating skills yeah. and, and deal making. I think those are highly, uh, highly sought after skills. Yeah. And if people aren't purposeful about them, I think a lot of folks shortchange their careers. Or it just takes them longer to get there because they're not thinking about that. Well, especially in, in oil and gas, there was such a big difference in age gap, right? right. There was a huge age gap. You know, throughout the 90s, it was like a lot of people just didn't want to join in the, into that age or uh, right. joined into the industry so um you had a a large amount of people in their 50s and 60s that uh, at the time when i'm in my 20s here and so the key thing for me was all right there's a lot of knowledge over there um there's big age gap here I, i've got to connect with these guys i've got to network with these guys and they're and happy to do it more them. often than not they absolutely <clears throat> are you know they're more than happy to share right. their story and help you out yeah. So, run it, so, so getting yeah. us out of the oh, go ahead. No, I was just I just wanted to stamp that, <laughs> that mentor yep. point again. Like, what I found, that what made me grow up was when you finally make that click of, oh, I I don't know a lot of things, right? And and when yeah. I'm jumping into these conversations thinking that I I, you know, I know something really cool, you, you look foolish more often than not. But the mentors there it also is an external soundboard, right? Hey, these are my kind of career challenges or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because when you're first starting out, your your network is internal, right? These right. are all the people you work with, and you know they're not going to give you the same perspective as somebody outside. So actually, we'll get to PISA and uh, yeah. EWTC at some point. But yeah, yeah. they yeah. helped a lot there. The next Ackerman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, you're, you're running the the regional sales group, and then and then yeah, I was running the regional sales group, and then um, you know they shifted and moved me over to director of the global accounts, which was the large caps group. Right. And that's where uh, Keith and I got to first meet, right? Mm -hmm. So um, shifting over that, so you've got um, kind of your large cap groups that are international now. So now there's international traveling and played, never had traveled international, but spent a lot of time prior to that in the, 
the DoubleTree Hilton in Midland. All the Quinta Inn in Oklahoma That's the Buffalo Nickel, right? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, there's, why are there always gnats in the lobby? In yeah. place? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've got a severe fly problem. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, going uh, shifting over to the director, you know, that, that was my next role was there. Was, you know, and I, think, I think at this time. So I didn't have a, you know, a, a, a big shift or it wasn't a lot of time in the manager role then shifting over to director role uh which is just you know th that's how you know we had it they had managers reporting to directors directors reporting to vps right. and, and on up and and the the director role was um uh just kind of the next step for me to move and that was what was great about that group is that, you know there was so much going on people constantly moving to another division or, to, or moving international, taking an international right. role. So there was always a, a role to move into. So it was kind of just like perfect timing, you know? Sure. And someone shifts out and they're like, hey, well, who's the next best option? Well, Andrew's been doing pretty good over here. Let's elevate him, right? Yep. And so it was just kind of a natural progression there. Um, well, what's interesting about that, right, is I don't think it was Andrew's been doing pretty good. What's ha What happened almost certainly was Andrew has shown the ability to mentally expand to manage this role, do it at a high level. Let's continue to put him into a point where it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more uncomfortable. It's a little more unknown. Yeah. But you know, given the intellectual horsepower, the you know emotional uh, intelligence, there's a high likelihood that Andrew's going to be successful here. And almost certainly, that was the thought process that went through. Mm -hmm. Because understanding the business, check. You know, being a good leader, check. Engaging communicate uh, customers, check. Mm -hmm. Is how do we continue to expand that influence so that you can influence others? Yeah, and, and a lot of it was trying to, you know, helping, you know, particularly with your downturns, it's like, all right, how do we drive strategic initiative right, right. here with our guys? I mean, because at that time, it was just like, hey, orders are coming in, orders That's are right. coming in, and we're just negotiating, right, for this. It wasn't trying to go hunt and kill, right. you know, so that that was, uh, with these dips, you know, you have to figure out creative ways to go out and, and you know, and, and find the orders. And, right. And, uh, how long were you in that role? I think it was three years. Okay. So in total in the sales team, it was uh, seven or eight years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So sales, operations, get a general preference or you Good like a nice healthy mix? Um, I, I definitely liked uh, one aspect of the of the operations. I liked coming home every night. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. And, it, and my it, wife it, did. I was going to say, at well, this juncture, kids are in the picture, right? No, not yet. Okay, not not yet. yet. Kids came in the picture towards the end of the of, of uh, my stint at at uh, NOV. Okay, yeah. yeah. My son was born 2015, and, you know, I left in 2018. All but, right. Um, yeah, so, but but uh, I loved the travel aspect right. of, of the sales, but, you know, being gone, my wife, you know, is what, God bless her and the kids. They, they have, uh, you know, nothing but love for coming from me because they know how often dad is on the road. Right. right. They know how often I'm working late, right, or have a dinner or an outing with a client or, or what be it. But, yeah, you know, my wife, it was something that she had to adjust to. Again, dad worked in the oil field. Mother was a flight attendant. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, literally normal. ship passes. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a couple different nannies, you know, <laughs> watching us and, and grandmother. So yeah. we had, uh, yeah, it, it was an easy thing for me to be like, all right, see you, dad. Cool. You know, see you, mom. Yep. But with her, my, my mother's, um, my wife's mother was a librarian, and her dad was a water filtration engineer here in, in Houston. Yep. Home every day at five o'clock. Right? Having dinner together. Having dinner together. Doing all that. So. Exactly unlike a standard oil field yes. or family. Yes. <laughs> and so it took a while to kind of get her used to that. And now <clears throat> it's, Shout out to our wives. Yeah, no yeah, big time. I mean, it's Absolute second angels. nature. 
Yeah. Mine, mine doesn't listen to this because she's tired of me talking when I get home. But <laughs> if she ever does, I appreciate you. Yeah. I'll even let her know when I see her. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. No, they they they've really got accustomed. Yeah. Or she's really kind of accustomed to them, and, and you know, and she's got a wonderful career of her own too. Right. She's in the, in the energy retail space. So oh, cool. Um, I don't but, think I knew that. Yeah, she's nice. yeah yeah selling uh, energy and power to. You know, retail. Yeah. Man, and I bet that's been an interesting. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, watching what's happened with power prices over the last couple of years, it, it's the freeze time. and oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were they were luckily well positioned during that freeze. So, uh, that's and another supply chain jump that we could go into. I'm I mean, the world runs on. We have your wife on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. She'd be great <laughs> at. That's what she right does. Yeah. She, she's the risk management for their and the hudging for their purchases. Well, so. Almost certainly, she's yeah. extremely pleasant. Otherwise, how do you deal with Andrew? Yeah, way smarter than way smarter than me too. Just kidding. So you're uh, at NOV, and then now all of a sudden it's time for a massive change, right? I mean, how many years were you at NOV? At uh, over 10. Over 10 years. Yeah. So you're a decade in. I'm a decade in. I clearly have a jetpack strapped to your back, and they decide, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go try to do something different. So walk us through kind of the time frame, you know, where, what you were thinking, what were what were what what was going on there, and then uh, where'd you land? Well, you know, you you you've always there's there's recruiters always kind of talking to you right right everyone's always hitting you up hey are you interested in doing this we've got something would you mind taking a look at it and you know i i kind of had a i i was a career guy right with, with nov it's a great company right Absolutely. i learned a lot and i was happy to be there um you know the the downturns were happening more frequently which was uh concerning but it was a company that had taken care of me and and i was you know, that said on it. But, um, you know, when you get in, you, when you're working with these bigger companies, though, you start getting, you know, you know, your eyes, ideas are not going up the chain as fast as you'd like sure. to see. Right. And nothing for against, you know, the seniority over there, but it's just, it takes a lot to move that big, big old ship. Yeah. Massive right? organization. And, and, you know, I've only been on the land market. I'd seen aspects of the land market. And when you have the new build cycle goes away, Right. And you're you're responsible for large cap equipment sales. It goes, all right, well, how do we what are we going to adjust to here? Right. And I kind of had seen kind of a trend there of what was going to be the next deal. And, you know, kind of said, hey, we need to kind of come up with a, a package, you know, DC to AC upgrade. Right. right? Mm -hmm. All of that the third pump, all that. Let's piece that together. Let's kind of go in and capture that market, have it ready and available. And, you know, it just. Uh, it took a while to kind of get that and moved up the, the right. ladder for me. Sure. And, and uh, so I was kind of just, you know, maybe I'll listen to these recruiters a little bit more when they call. But, so you get a phone call on one of those days. You're like, yeah, actually my conversation's going a little deeper yeah. today. Well, it, it, it was uh, it was a relationship that I developed mm -hmm. with uh, a friend of ours, John Goodrum. Yep. Right? Shout out to John, great John, guy. Yeah, Pring and Associates. Um, uh, heavy oil and gas recruiter here in the United States, here in uh, Houston. And um, it placed a lot of high high you know high value executives everywhere right and he hit me up he was like hey i, I know your long time career with nov you've got everything going great so forth what would you be interested in taking a look at this one company right it, it's a smaller company they they actually do compete with you um you know kind of on the mission side and the consumable side and yeah, I think you'd be great for the role they're looking for a vice president of business development kind of corporate sales do you know, jack of all trades, look at corporate development opportunities, that kind of thing. And um, I, I said, you know what? Yeah, let, let's take a look at it. And, and I did a little bit of research on them. Um, 
and found out kind of they were private equity backed. Right. Um, and first thing I did was find out who that <clears throat> was, and it was Quantum Energy Partners. And these guys are amazing, and they hit home runs everywhere they invest. Right. Um, so that was a big, big plus to me right off the bat. It, yeah, I'll take a look. And these guys aren't, they're not dumb. They're going to look at something that uh, they can make money make at. Money. Which, yep. Yeah. So went and met with um, Cam Huell, our president. And uh, he walked me through kind of the business idea that he's got, right? The, the central, you know, have kind of sales focused at the rig level, grow that out from there, what product levels we can bring or other product items we can bring in at the rig level for sales and kind of, you know, how, how he can structure that and grow it from, from that, you know, that home base of, of our sales guys going out to the rig. And, and I really thought it was a neat idea. I thought that the, some of the technology they had had, um, you know, was, you know, I, I'm not going to say revolutionary, but like a solid upgrade for equipment as far as safety, um, and, you know, you know, long lasting products and, you know, kind of control the manufacturing process with there, which was great. But what I really liked is, you know, when I sat down and interviewed with the rest of the team, right. Is they're like, Hey, you know, if you come over here, what's something we can do? What, what's something new we can build? What's, what's they, what, they were what do you have for, any ideas? They were looking for ideas. Yeah. They were yeah. looking for ideas. And I sat there and I go, right, really? We're, it's not just going to come in and try to grow sales. Yeah. It's like, no, we want to build other stuff. We, we want to change do things. cool things. Yeah, exactly. Build right. Stuff. Yeah. Which is exciting. I yeah. mean, I mean that, that that is the beauty of smaller organizations is their ability to be nimble and react to things. I mean, now it creates other supply chain and manufacturing challenges. Yeah. But how do you you know, to be able to do bottoms up style uh, BD and and product new product development as mm -hmm. well? Fantastic opportunity, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it was. We we I mean, and it it took a while for, to decide for me to, right. to make the move because I really. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive change. It. You go from a yeah. publicly traded huge organ. I mean, it had to be. 50 some odd thousand people at national at the time i think the, the peak was 60 65 Ooh, yeah and then you know to go to premium at the time had like a hundred so is that the biggest <laughs> challenge was like the stability uncertainty or what was the uh, i mean it, it definitely um you know you're you're leaving you're leaving kind of your home base and it's like hey we're gonna go to this kind of this you know this smaller group that is you know obviously they've got a very very supportive um, investment team behind them. Right. Right. But this thing, you know, you, you think anything outside of a big oil and gas company is going to go belly up. Oh, right? yeah. Because yeah. you always have the advantage of them. You can go That's in, right. you can muscle outside, you know, muscle away smaller vendors. But, yeah. but you know, one thing I thought was I, I'm cocky. I've done pretty well so far. I can go in and, and grow this thing. Right. I can go in and help. I can grow and think of new ideas. And, and, and explosive growth is what they're looking for. Right. Absolutely. I mean, they're looking to yeah. try to try to grow significantly yeah. way more than that 10% number that you quoted earlier. Mm -hmm. And if you've got new ideas, you've got the right relationships, you've got, you know, people on your team that you can lean on and support and can support it. That opportunity for growth is significant. Yeah. We have, um, a wonderful, uh, wonderfully smart engineer, uh, by the name of Doug Janke. And the guy can just, you know, piece things together really quickly, come up conceptually anything. And wow. And he is very sharp, and um, our VP of operations and manufacturing is is another guy, Tim, that is um, very well uh, done at his job and is awesome. excellent at supply chain. He'd be he'd probably be a better one to interview than I do, but he is. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of know, tape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he he really knows how to work vendors and and get his his fab shops going, and and um, but you know it. it 
what it was was you know you go from this big group where you've got 30 engineers you're talking to for you know one or two product lines to one engineer one draftsman two sales guys at the corporate level right, right? we got regional yeah. sales guys and and a president and one inside sales guy and i was like this is going to be interesting <laughs> <laughs> i was like what what i learned quickly after that was you are heavily responsible yeah. <laughs> for getting things done you were accountable yeah. and responsible you were let's accountable. go you're responsible i yeah, mean let's go i think it was like day two and cam was like so have you have you sold anything yet <laughs> <laughs> i just learned where the restroom and the coffee machine were yeah. for god's sakes yeah so getting like oh, initially great. getting in there it was like all right i'm, I'm not going to dealy daddle i'm not going to try to learn yeah. everything just yet i'm going to go get in front of my clients yeah exactly you know? Um, so that was a, a big part of it, but, uh, initially it's hitting the ground running, but, but yeah, when you're, when you're leaving kind of, you know, a company you've been with for 10 years and, and you go into a, a smaller, uh, they weren't a startup, they, they were, were a, a good established size, organization, established organization, but you also sure. had a trajectory, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you yeah I did. You, well, you weren't stagnant. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're, you're know, missing, was, you're walking away from yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Right? Besides and, stability. And, and another aspect, there were several opportunities that had kind of, that had come and gone you know, yeah. um, at, pre, at my previous company that, that I thought were going to go through international roles. Right. And, but, but again, those, it, it weren't, it wasn't being passed over. It was like, Hey, be ready to move to Australia in three right. months. Okay. I get ready to move to Australia in three months. Oh, in a month and a half, we're not doing it anymore. Right. Like, oh, okay. All yeah. right. And that happened three times. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was Australia, yeah. Singapore, and I forget yeah. one other place, but, um, but I think there's, there's an element of that, right. And a highly capable people, you know what I've, come to realize is they're willing to bet on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't like to sit still. Well, it, one, one, you know, kind of like your experience in Galena Park, right? You, you get it, you're doing well, but actually you've kind of, I don't want to say you've reached a point of man, mastery, but certainly highly capable, highly competent. It's like, okay, I, you know, there's an element of boredom, I think that sets in with some folks. Yep. And you know, in that scenario where you're, 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 you look, I feel like I've got this uh, director role figured out. Things are in a good spot. I can, hand it off to somebody else. And so you're looking for your next big challenge when it, if it hits you at the right time, then, you know, I, I think a lot of folks find themselves in that situation. It's like, okay, this is a great opportunity. Let's take it, take advantage of it. Yeah. And oh, by the way, bet on yourself, Yeah, which is kind of what you did, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, uh, it, it was, a, it was a big gamble and talked a lot about with Kat, with my, my wife, Catherine, and, you know, going over that. And I said, look, I'm at this, at this time, I'm 33. I said, if I don't do this now, then I'm going to be here for the rest of my then career. Then when, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's either this or just gear in and and try yep. to do my best at, at, at my current company. Right? Yep. Um, so we, we said, look, I'm 33. Let's do it. Let's go take a little gamble. Right. Right. Um, you know, I had I think Michael, our son, was one year old, maybe. <laughs> one or two. He's not going to know the difference. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm you're, not what, sleeping what, anyway. Well, yeah. said, well, I'm not sleeping anyway. Yeah. He said, oh, by the way, he's not going to remember that yeah. I'm going to dinner tonight. Right. And yeah. Let's get on a plane. Let's go start working it. Yeah. So uh, started right off. and What year is this now? This is 20. Uh, so 18? 2018. 18? All right. Yeah. Uh, May, June 2018. Right. The timing was actually pretty good. Yeah. Some wind in the cells there. Yeah. There was. Everything was going right. Um, I walk in. Uh, you know, my first desk 
was there it there wasn't there were no offices there we were over off our bread more location i had a picnic table for it for an office <laughs> for a desk classic smaller <laughs> so private we had to, yeah step up it was great you know we yeah. we ended up like we ended up building like other offices and expanding yeah. it i mean there were only like three offices in there and it was <laughs> like great. president or cfo and, and uh, i think like our insurance uh, vp yeah. of ops and in like a, a tiny little conference room and but no it was a great building we had a lot of fun in there and then we ended up building out and putting in a you know, trailer offices on the side. Yeah. So, but it was, oh, I always laugh thinking back when, yeah, my first, uh, my first office was a picnic table yeah. at NOV. Well, that's because you're <laughs> supposed to be out premium. selling things. Before, yeah. Apparently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. And it's get on the road, get out right. and do it, go introduce yourself. Um, but it's so. been a few years now, right? Yep. And yeah. not to, you know, obviously we can, we can talk about any specific challenges or, or stories there on, on that side. But I mean, premium is a wildly different company now. And, than it was that's, back then. It's yeah. going to be fulfilling, right? It, it absolutely is. Um, you know, hats off to, you know, Cam and, and, you know, the support of our board that we've had. Um, we've been able to to do a lot of fun things, right? We've made several acquisitions. It hadn't all been organic, of course not, but right. we've made several acquisitions into, into various spaces that we're very excited about and that we've expanded on. We've brought in, you know, a significant more people, a lot, a lot smarter people is right. one thing that we're doing. Is yeah, we, so you went from like what a hundred when you joined? To yeah, it was right around there. And now I think globally we're, you know, uh, I think we're closing in on 500. Look at that. So. That's amazing. Five years. Yeah, it's a home run. Yeah. It, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And grow and growing markets to too, right? And growing, you know, by the way, in the middle of that, you had to deal with COVID. Oh yeah. gosh. The, I mean, so imagine and, yeah. bro, that kind of explosive growth. And that was hindered by right. by COVID. I mean, yeah. it was a year where 2018, we didn't even know what we were going to do. Closing out 2018 was great. We had a very strong uh, second half, and, and then 2019 was awesome. We, right. we, you know, was able to make a lot of agreements in place and and really had some significant growth there. 2020, obviously, we're like, hell yeah, this is going to be awesome. We were all playing Rolling into a, oh, yeah. a thousand rigs parade running too. right yeah. now. Parade downtown. Yeah. And, yeah, and then obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, two weeks to slow the curve. Right? <laughs> exactly two weeks right. turns into complete <laughs> chaos. Exactly. <laughs> two years later, we seem like we're just now putting it all back together. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was that was tough. I mean that that one. You know, when you're when you're a smaller company as well. Obviously, you know. On, well, it's not when you're just a small company. Any company, right? Um, cash gets drained by personnel pretty quick. Oh yeah. When revenue's not coming in. And so you, you have to do reductions, which yep. is difficult, right? right. And, and, and we've all seen that a bunch of times, right? But um, it was also, you know, we all said, that, hey, we got we to gotta buck up. We got to go out. We got to hunt. Like, you know, two weeks to slow the curb. We were back in the office in end of April. Right. You know. Let's go. Masked up, whatever. Don't care. We've got to figure out how to do this. Gotta, I'm doing every team. keep the business rolling. Doing teams yeah. call with everyone that, that'll do it. Doing a face-to-face with anyone that'll do it driving can't you can't really fly no one wants to fly <laughs> flying's cost too much now yeah. <laughs> so you're driving um and you're going out and and you want to you know bust your butt and make sure that you're getting po's that are helping the company but also covering your own that's salary, right right yep. oh yeah you Th- know think about how much more resilient we are i mean like obviously we're a pretty resilient group going through booms and busts but literally you know, our our world went negative there for a little bit and you know, now yeah. it makes everything a little more muted. That I mean, obviously we have struggles and challenges, yep. and you know, oh yeah, yeah. Who knows what the next six months are going to look like? But mm-hmm. you know, if we can make it through that, then we're gravy. Yep. Yeah. If know? if one of these 
old blue hairs tells me that how bad it was in the 80s, I will just scream. <laughs> yeah, right. Oil never went negative $37 yeah. in Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So. That's awesome. Well, I first met you at, um, I think it was Pisa. We probably ran each other at OTC or something like that. Yeah. But it used to be Pisa, the Petroleum Equipment, what was it? Petroleum Equipment Services S- Association. Services. Yeah. Yeah. But you actually, I don't know if you still do, chair the Supply Chain Committee. I do. You do? Yeah. So you do have some accolades on that side of things too. Yeah, have has that group? And I was I was part of that group for a little bit, but I I transitioned myself. Has has that well, committee's strategy changed? I mean, what have you seen from that well, side? Well, the biggest thing is is you know working with Molly and Leslie over there. I, I prior to that, I was on the emerging executive uh, emerging executive committee, and they were the the they are the most active committee at EWTC, right? And mm-hmm. as far as engagement and, you know, um, you know, selling leadership programs and so forth for the, for the group. But um, when I was rolling off of it, you know, because I was chairman of that and I was ch- had to do chairman of that for two years. And then you know, I was like, Molly, if there's anything else you need me to do, I'm happy to do it. And she's like, well, can you do supply chain? And would you be interested in getting on the supply chain role? I'm like, well, you're letting the fox into the hen house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to come in and talk with all of, a bunch of my clients. Right. <laughs> and so same uh, idea there, I think. Yeah, well, exactly. it's really it's really about driving engagement with with those within those organizations, getting people, you know, to actively participate in it, and and to yep. you know get people that to you know get your whether it's your clients or you know interesting people to come and talk at you know supply chain conferences right i know you know keith you sat on the committee or one of the panels last year that's right yeah and i I think we i think we actually did our supply chain one as well or during that was during during COVID. COVID. It it was all virtual yeah so and we've done several of those we've had um you know a a great turnout for them and it's continued to grow because you know last was the last three years now supply chain has been the the key term isn't that funny though like you know when you i'm sure when you joined that committee when it was first firing up you know it was just let's talk about constraints or whatever yeah. now it's yeah you're the most popular guy in the room <laughs> yeah. what are what's happening can yeah. we get toilet paper yeah can yeah, you exactly. get anything for <laughs> yeah. us yeah. Right. Yeah. um no it, it, it's it yeah it's it's wild i mean what what when did you get on the committee 2020 because the other thing that had happened just prior to that was the uh, steel tariffs too, right? Yes. So it was like, there was like a ramp of supply chain issues that were yes. starting to starting to layer in all around the same time. So you're right. I mean, I imagine, it may have been 2019. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, uh, but yeah you, you're talking about still you're talking about yeah. Trump tariffs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going yeah. on there That's for right. the China tariffs, yep. and and you know what are people doing about diving that? So when when you're when you're sitting on those committee for that, it's kind of like, all right, you want to get speakers that are you know that's good for the current topic sure. of what's Relevant. going on in that's both right. political world and right, obviously in supply chain. And so we go from having, all right, well, let's get someone from, yep. you know, from DC or someone that is, you know, kind of big in transportation or so such and such. So, um, you know, especially with the tariffs, you want right. to get someone that understands the political aspects of those um, and what that's going to do for your supply chain. But um, now like the last two years, it's been, all right, well, let's get someone in shipping and transportation <laughs> and the port authority. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Figure we, that out. Boat in, boat in. Steel. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, go get your steel toes again. We're going to unload yeah, these yeah. ships. Right. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, so it, but a lot of that's just kind of driving, driving the narrative of what the current aspect is for the supply chain group. And, 
and I, I think I'll be rolling off soon. Molly's asked me to, I can, every time she's like, can you just stick around? I think I'm like, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure I can only do this for like two years. Yeah. There was a charter about this. Yep. <laughs> you know, so um, I'm like, I'm sure there's another thing I can get onto, but, but of the, you know, supply chain is the second most active group for EWTC and, and yep. most populous group for EWTC. So. I believe it. So you've seen the evolution over the, the last few years, specific to supply chain and even manufacturing oil and gas, obviously is kind of included there. What does your crystal ball look like? What do you think the, the emerging tech that's going to catch on or what are, you, what are the biggest challenges you see on the horizon? Yeah. And, this yeah. is the prediction time or, you know, oh gosh, can we to listen to this? Yeah, pontificate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, tell me the price of oil in June. Okay, um, eighty-seven dollars. <laughs> okay, oil, I guess. Um, you know, for for us, I mean, Eternal we're, sit, we're sitting. We're yeah, sitting. Okay. So that's probably when this podcast is going to come out, isn't it? Maybe. Our track record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> takes a long time to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, we're sitting here, and it's like two dollars and nineteen cent gas, and you know, we talk with, you know, it, it, with premium, we've got both. Uh, products that we move and sell to drilling contractors and operators now. So now we're engaged with operators and we're kind of getting a, a further down the road picture of what we can possibly see and, and what they're thinking is going to be happening. So um, we're hearing, you know, just kind of a little blip, but minor, right? We still have high demand. China's economy is still rising up. You're going to see more and more consumption coming up and through throughout the world. So uh, we're not saying code red, code red, right? It's, you know, um, you know, with, with rig movement right now, I mean, Keith, you know this more than, than, than me. I mean, you're seeing a little bit of shift from, from region to region, um, but you've also got within those areas, it, it's, you, you've got people that are willing to resign right now. Right. And, and because they want to have wells in production and, and flowing, you know, the second half of this year when, when they're thinking that natural gas prices are going to come back up. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely in, specifically as it relates to commodity, we're definitely in a tight spot. But um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, but how much of that is the you know, uncertainty in the world, like we were talking about earlier? But I think on the more macro scale, I think my belief is that the world only gets more complex, not less. It is uh, the, yeah. the supply chains that we have, you know, are resilient. Clearly, I mean, we saw what happened during COVID. We ran out of toilet paper. Now everybody's got too much, right? And <clears throat> yeah, I believe that. You're going to see more of that nearshoring that we've talked about in the past. You know, there, there's clearly a um, regionalization a, everywhere. A series, yeah, well, and a series yeah. of people that are trying to you know, undo their complete dependence on China and other other countries. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of supply chain shifts over the next, call it 12, 24, 36 months. Um, but one thing I'm convinced of is the highly capable people in, you know, business business decision making roles, supply chain roles, logistics roles. Are going to play a bigger, not a less important role uh, mm -hmm. in oil and gas and other supply chains Everywhere. for that for that mm -hmm. fact. I just, again, I we, we are such a consumer-driven society, not only in in North America, but I mean, look at what's happening in China, for example. We're going to just need more of it. it mm -hmm. It's almost like the energy equation; just the world needs more. So, we're going to as we need more oil and gas for you know the products that make people's lives better. We're also going to need more steel, more rubber products, more, more, more. Mm -hmm. And so how do we do it? Do it responsibly, do it safely. But in, in, in also like look for technologically, technological Technology. advan yep. advancements that you can add to, right? I mean, that's a big aspect because I think, you know, with the operators wanting go faster, go faster, go faster. I mean, I remember it wasn't that long ago that we were drilling wells in 30 days, you know, now it's six. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you've got, you're, 
pumps have been upgraded the top drives have been upgraded to do yep. to drill all this and you're pushing the equipment to the limit so amazing. what else are you gonna do well i think big data is going to be a part of it you know more drilling softwares that they're going to be coming up or more you know more remote monitoring is going to be there so i think right. whatever you can throw you at know it. at the at the deal yeah. is going to be you know definitely going to be more agreeable and more cost effective it's going to be a wild ride for the next couple of years i think it's yeah. going to be you know interesting to see what the world can come together with and what it looks like so i say i get bored unless the sky's falling so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that um so in our closing couple of minutes you know uh i think you know a couple of things i'd like to know or you know especially from a leadership supply chain perspective kind of what are one or two major nuggets you'd love to list, leave with your listeners and then if there's any kind of closing plug that you've got and then we'll wrap it on up um you know i, I would you know definitely kind of as a you know one of the traits that i like to always kind of tell people is like say yes say yes to a challenge you know always be willing to say if it's the tough job say yes to it you know if you're doing the job that no one else wants to do then you're going to be highlighted you know that's one thing that i'd always you know really kind of tell people is like say yes to it figure it out um be thoughtful when when making those decisions with you know every opportunity or, or you know uh challenge that you're presented with but but say yes to it you know don't don't be worried about i love you know, that piece of advice mistake, you know. no change no, scary. No, no good story ever started with i ordered a salad yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's it, it's you know it's one thing that kind of you know, as you know, talk about my rise right. within certain companies, and and I just always said yes. Hey, you want to do this? Yes. Hey, do you want to move here? Yes. So, it's one thing that I I always um, you know tell guys that are younger and coming into the industry right. now. It's you know, bring it bring it home and That's say cool. yes to it. You know, but uh, uh, you know, coming back to the supply chain aspect of it, we've we're gonna have an interesting year ahead of us. So. Um, I, I would, I would look at, oh man, I'm kind of drawing a blank here now. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> We've been talking for a while. Yeah. Sorry. But. No, I, I, well, to your point, I think it is going to be an interesting year. <clears throat> People that aren't looking at their supply chains from a manufacturing, even raw material perspective and looking at them yeah. thoughtfully, purposefully, I yeah. think they're going to be in a tight spot. Well, and, and it's okay. Here's what I was going to look, look look at. So when you're doing this and you've got a you know a cash flow you know to manage, you've got your production to manage, and mm -hmm. you know don't overextend yourself. That's what everyone's kind of looking at right now. Is you've got vendors that you've got to you've got vendors that you have to pay, right? That's right. And your your vendors or your customers may be paying you slow. So managing your production is going to be interesting. How we right. do that when we've got you know kind of a uh, little bit of um, unease ahead of us right, right now. So that's that's one thing that you've got to be cautious certainly, of. Certainly got to be smart. Got to be prudent. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. Any the last thing you want to plug before we call it a wrap? <sighs> no, man, that's cool. that's it. Not I mean, too bad. I appreciate this, the time. This guy yeah. is active in everything. It's amazing. You can never not see the guy. He's everywhere. <laughs> so I think we bounced off each other a few times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. uh, get out there. you got to participate in anything. Like, say yes to everything. I love you know, it. So well, thanks really for cool. saying yes to uh, coming, coming on. Of course, spending some yeah. time with us. Exactly. First podcast. What would you think? Uh, I'm nervous, man. Sorry. Yeah. You know, no, this has been man, fun. It's fantastic. Yeah. Cool and not only that, to Frank's point, had you not said yes, I mean, you would have missed out on the opportunity. Your That's second, right. Your second podcast would be even better. Yeah, yeah. we'd yeah, just look, be sitting here looking at each other. Exactly. <laughs> so you. cool. Hey, man, I appreciate you covering Thank us. You, thanks, guys. Cool. If you have any questions, nominations, or suggestions, please reach out to us on the Highly Capable Podcast on LinkedIn or at podcast at gaultwayindustries.com. 
Thank you for listening.